Well, welcome back, everybody. My name is Lena Abitjamra. I'm the host of the Living with Power Hope podcast, and we are going to be doing another episode of the Leadership Edition of the Hope Podcast. If you are a first-time listener, we are so excited to have you. Uh, this podcast is meant to inspire hope, and right now we're focusing on leaders. So if you don't think you're a leader, you're wrong. Go back and listen to the first few episodes of this podcast, and, and you will see that in you is a leader waiting to be unleashed. Uh, most of you who are listening uh, at this point probably have a good sense that you want to be a better leader and certainly a more Christ-like leader. Remember that leadership is high-level discipleship. We talked about that early on, and, and so no matter where you are in your life, we encourage you to stay, to listen, in, and more than that, to share it with your friends. So many great principles. I have been encouraged with these uh, topics. Uh, we're looking to the Word of God for answers, and if you would like to reach out and give us some ideas uh, that you might have on leadership or maybe uh, crises that you're facing or questions that come up in your day-to-day life, we would love to hear from you. Email me at lina, L-I-N-A, at livingwithpower.org. That's lina at livingwithpower.org. In fact, Living With Power is where you can find all sorts of awesome resources from Bible studies to podcasts to little videos that will inspire and encourage you and on and on and on. So have at it. In the meantime, let us talk about today's episode, uh, Facing Rejection. Now, I'll confess, I'm in my late 40s, been engaged twice, never married. So if anyone knows anything about rejection, I think I qualify. Um, But I'm still here and I don't want to talk about rejection in dating today. I want to talk about rejection as leaders and some of the strain that we'll feel. In fact, we're going to be hitting up in the next few weeks some talks in relational issues and conflict resolution in leadership. But uh, today, I want to again focus back on Jesus and uh, how he dealt with uh, being misunderstood. So uh, there's a there's an interesting segment in Mark chapter 3. In it, he uh, is hanging out with the disciples and he's teaching and healing and doing what he did during his ministry. So he's lived 30 years with his family, and then at age 30, he launches his ministry, and it lasts three years, and then he goes to the cross. And of course, that's the apex of his ministry, and then the resurrection. And so he came for the cross, but his family, nobody understood it. His disciples didn't understand it. And so this is the days, years maybe preceding that. But it says that he went up on the mountaintop and called to him those whom he desired. They came to him. He appoints the disciples. And then you get to verse 20. It says, then he went home. Jesus, and he and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat because they wanted to hear him, right? I mean, we, we know that he was popular in those early days, but here's what his family thought of him. It says, when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. I mean, I don't know that that's outright rejection, but that's as close to feeling unwanted as you could be, your own family saying pretty much you're crazy. And other, some other translations, if you look, uh, I don't know if you ever look up on, online some of these translations, but um, some actually use the word, he's, he's, uh, he's crazy. His family thought he was crazy. He's gone mad, uh, the Good News translation. And uh, um, anyway, uh, not a very great feeling. If you have ever felt rejection by your family, uh, you're in good company. Jesus did too. Later on in the chapter, his mothers and his brothers came and standing outside, they sent to him, and called him, and a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brother are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Uh, just to give you another um, verse in John chapter 2, uh, what we're doing here, the reason I'm reading those verses is to help you uh, think like Jesus, look at life like Jesus, 
kind of put yourself back in his place. Um, he was a leader, not in easy circumstances. And uh, in chapter two, uh, here you'll get a little taste of how he was able to uh, manage people and how people thought of him. Um, it says in verse 23 of John chapter 2, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all about people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. This is an outstanding verse. And so if you're a leader, you've got to circle that verse, underline it, remember it, and, and just commit it to memory because what Jesus does with people is he loves them, he serves them, he dies for them, but he never puts his trust in them. And if we could just learn this lesson from him. So here's some thoughts on facing rejection. If you are a leader for any length of time, sooner or later, you will face some sense of rejection, whether it's by peers, by superiors, or by people who are following you. Um, so I thought of this. Number one, just because not everyone will like you does not mean that you're doing it wrong. All right? Just because people don't like you doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. Jesus was doing it right, and people did not like him, including his family. For a while, thought he was crazy. His brother James, who later wrote the uh, epistle of James, uh, was not a believer during the life of Jesus, and he was in the crowd that, that thought he was crazy. So it was not uncommon for Jesus to be disliked, even by his closest family. It was not uncommon for Jesus to be questioned, even when he was doing God's will. People questioned him, not just his family, but but the priests and the high priests and the, and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, even his disciples questioned him. Why are we going back to see Lazarus? Why are we doing this? Why don't we move on? Can't you come and speak to this crowd? I mean, people constantly hitting him up with uh, what feels like critique often, and yet um, he was doing God's will, but he was focused on God's will, and we see that this pattern of Jesus being so vertically minded, so in tune with the Father's will, that uh, when he's, when people attacked him or critiqued him or rejected him, it didn't bother him, um, as far as we can tell. Yeah, on, on the contrary, he had compassion on people, but he was so committed to finishing what his father wanted him to do and knew that ultimately this, was be, this would be for the good of the people. So it was not uncommon for Jesus uh, to be questioned even when he was doing God's will, and then it was not uncommon for Jesus to seem like a failure even when he walked in his calling. I think we've talked a little bit about that earlier on, but there are moments in Jesus' life where you almost feel like he's, he, is he really succeeding? I mean, his whole mission in life. And I mean, I mean, I would say the disciples didn't really understand the mission. All throughout his three-hour ministry, the disciples thought he was going to free them and give them political freedom. And, uh, and that was the furthest thing from Jesus' mind. But even from a spiritual perspective, like he came to, you know, to save the world. And, and, you know, I don't know that anyone really had clarity in our understanding that it would come through death, even though he told them again and again and again. And so... Um, even though he walked in his calling, there are so many moments in the life of Jesus where he just seemed like a failure. And I think this ought to encourage you. If you're a leader and there are seasons in your life where you feel like you're doing God's will, you're obeying your calling, you've gone from A to B to Z and you have uncommon communion, you're listening to the Father and yet you get attacked and you get rejected and you get critiqued. And sometimes by Christians, some of the people who have misunderstood me the most have been quote unquote brothers and sisters in Christ. And critique the ministry. I was in a church once, and they would critique the ministry and thought that I was all about the ministry. And, and it felt like my greatest, the opposite of allies. I was going to say enemies. Maybe that's not a good word. But that came from the church. doesn't make any sense. And yet so expected, if you look at the life of Jesus, because so often that was where he faced the greatest rejection is from his own home. 
And uh, he went to his hometown and they didn't listen to him. He says the prophets rejected him in his hometown, Nazareth, where, where he came from. And so he wasn't able to do any work there. He left. And just because not everyone will like you does not mean you're doing it wrong. Be encouraged by that today. You obey God. Make sure you're doing what he wants you to do and leave the rest to him. Here's a second thought on facing rejection. A strong vertical identity is the only thing that can and will protect you from a strong horizontal attack. Okay? The words that people throw at you will hurt you. There's no way about it. If my family would call me crazy, it would bother me. I would want to fight back humanly. Um, but that's because those are, when that happens, typically I'm not in tune horizontally, vertically. I'm not in tune with God the Father. And, and the minute I'm in tune with God the Father and my vertical identity is safe, I know who I am. I know what God my Father wants for me. I have a leadership identity of brokenness, of uncommon communion, of obedience. When I'm living in that zone, of servanthood, then when the attack comes horizontally, it falls off like a water on a duck. It might sting a little, but it doesn't last because you're secure in your vertical identity. So the only, again, you go back to, you've got to be with God before you do for God. You got to be with him. You got to know who you are. Every season of difficulty that I've faced as a leader has come when I've stepped away from a close, intimate walk with Jesus. And in order to accomplish a strong, intimate walk with Jesus takes intentionality and time. You can break it into Sabbath and daily offices like Pete Scazzaro talks about and many of the church fathers. Or you can just meditate on the way. Call it what you want is what I'm getting at. But take regular time with the Lord every single day, multiple times a day. No more. Look, I'm years past the 30 minutes in the morning quiet time. That does not last me. Now I'm on a new page. I want to walk with God, like the old song, you know, walk in the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. When is you walk with me and talk with me? And on and on and on. I want to be with Jesus. Yeah, he's the friend that will never leave you. And that is the only place where you're going to feel secure. And I have to do this again and again, by, mind you. I get on Twitter, particularly Twitter bothers me, and I'll see all these Christians and they won't even be attacking me. They'll just be talking and having their big party and I'll feel like I'm on the outside and and it's so easy to get derailed into, sucked up into some negative stream of consciousness unless you're strong in your vertical identity and say, all right, I got I to step away from this. They don't even know that I'm on. This isn't about me. This is, you know, and you move on. So the horizontal attack will always come, but will be indirectly proportional to the strength of your vertical identity. All right, we kind of hit that up. The horizontal attack is less about you and more about Christ in you and the spiritual battle going on around you. Can I remind you, leaders, that we're in a spiritual battle? It's a fact. I think if we only had eyes that constantly saw the, 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 the spiritual battle, the unseen, you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 comes to mind. If I can find it quickly. Uh, Paul reminds us, though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And here, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Okay, what Paul recognizes in his life, like nobody's business, is that we are not being attacked by people. I mean, we are, but it's Satan's using them to discourage you, to bring you down, and to bring down Christ in you. And to and and sometimes inadvertently, uh, you know, I've found myself sometimes attacking family members and and wrongly and and and. And sometimes it's just like we put ourselves in a place where we're not walking in the spirit, walking in the flesh. And, and unfortunately, that can cause a lot of harm and pain and, 
to us or from us. And so um, think about that. Uh, the horizontal attack is less about you and more about Christ in you and the spiritual battle going on around you. So leaders, you are in a spiritual battle. Don't lose sight of that. Sometimes rejection is that. It's spiritual battle. And those are moments when you face rejection where you have to say, God, it is not my effort that's going to gain me, you know, get me the next, the fruit in my calling or the, the goals of my calling. It's, it's you. It's, it's Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work on you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So facing rejection, first, just because not everyone will like you does not mean you're doing it wrong. Second, a strong vertical identity is the only thing that can protect you from a strong horizontal attack. And thirdly, there is a unique opportunity and a season of rejection that must not be missed. All right. You've got an opportunity if you're facing rejection. And I, I want to tell you, I've joked for the past year or so when people ask me, I tell them, honestly, our ministry, Living Power, we are doing well. We're thriving. But do you know when I look at it and break it down, it has come, I, I'm flabbergasted because when I look at individual things that we've done, many of them have looked like failures. We haven't sold enough books. We haven't gotten enough speaking engagements. We haven't gotten enough funding. On and on and on. Everything in and of itself feels like it's not doing well. But somehow, God has taken these things and built something that only He could have done. It's like I call glory to Him. Nothing me or my team could have done. And I, we try hard. I'm not saying we're sitting, you know, drinking lemonade. I mean, but, but, but it's Him. And, and we can attest to that because we can look at the failures and be like, I don't know how this is, I don't know how this is happening. But as we faithfully try to walk in obedience, trusting Him with the outcomes, wrestling with Him sometimes over the outcomes, facing rejection again and again and again, it has been astounding to see how God has used that for good. So in those seasons of rejection, there is an opportunity. Seasons of rejection are meant to remind us of God's love and faithfulness. The fact that you're still leading despite your rejection is a sign. Every time I've gone up to teach, preach, proclaim God's word, whatever you want to call it, every time I've been given an opportunity to go to a place where I get a chance to speak, every time is a reminder of God's love for me. Because I know what I am. I know who I am. I know my sin. I know my failures. I know the rejection that I've faced. And every time is a reminder that it is God's love that has allowed me to do this and not my performance. And that is awesome. Don't lose sight of how awesome that is. Seasons of rejection are meant to strengthen us for more opposition down the road. We want to go from strength to strength. Psalm 84 talks about that. I mean, God is going to, I mean, it's not going to get easier. Ask any Christian. Ask anyone. I've talked to singles. I, I've written a book on singleness, and I talked to singles about singleness. And uh, I, lately, I did the sort of what I've learned about singleness in the last twenty years, like sort of new lessons I've learned. And one of the big things that came to mind is it does not get easier with time. I think leadership is the same way. I think Christianity is the same way. I don't think it gets easier with time. We just get more dependent. On the contrary, the opposition gets stronger. See, we think, oh, if I've been a Christian for a while, it'll just get easier the more I'm a Christian. No. No, it takes every ounce of striving and working out your salvation and wrestling for, for faithfulness. And by God's grace, 2 Timothy says, when we are faithless, he remains faithful. But uh, I don't mean to say this to cause you to, to, to be discouraged. On the contrary, it is to strengthen you and to inspire you and to remind you that you're, we're all alike. Don't be discouraged if you feel like things are hard. You've got a God who's won the victory. You can go on the offense. You don't have to always be on the defense. And so, yeah, it's going to be hard, but you're stronger today than it used to be, than you used to be. And so, and some of that comes from the opportunities that you have received through rejection. You become more resilient. 
That's a good thing. Like Einstein, remember him? He like had, they say 10,000 attempts. He finally figured out how to work the light bulb, I think. And they were like, how'd you do it? He goes, 10,000 failures before. Like it was, but every time he learned something new, something new, something new, and then he eventually got it. So that's inspiring. Um, uh, seasons of rejection are meant to lead us to the cross where we are able to die to ourself, to self completely. That's the whole point of rejection. It's a death to self. All right, God, that's what I am. Now I'm going to die to myself. I can't do it. I'm not qualified, but you are the one who's working out your will in and through me. So there's no better place to lead from than that. It is a place of brokenness, your holy handicap. It's your leadership identity. See how it's all coming together? So if you're in a season of rejection, things you wanted to do, you haven't been able to do, dreams that you look like you've doors closed, that's okay. God knows. He's called you. He's got it going. Don't worry. If people ridicule you, mock you, attack you, it comes from surprising places that you didn't expect. Stay strong. Don't give up. Think about Jesus. His own family thought he was crazy, and yet he loved them again and again and again. So uh, there's hope in this. I don't know about you, but I, um, I love the Lord, and I hope that these uh, reflections on leadership from a biblical perspective are encouraging you and strengthening you. If you have any questions for me, if uh, you need prayer or if you just have some ideas for future podcasts, why don't you email me? Lena at livingwithpower.org. In the meantime, share this with your friends. Um, tell us you like it. Uh, we could use the encouragement. I, I, I promise you we could. But uh, regardless, we will be praying for you. And we are here for you. And uh, we have tons of more materials for you at livingwithpower.org. Download the app. Get on the website. And uh, find us on social media. Uh, have an awesome day. And we will meet again next time.